Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It is me, Jack Tetrunk Hussey. Don't need any introduction and I know you all know who I am. Um, you follow my every move, you think about me constantly. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, the long and short of it. I'm joined this week by good old friend. He's, he's coming back to the show. He's, the, uh, he's a voice of Radio 5 Live Football Daily. He's the face of N17 Live. He's the brains of the Players' Tribune. It's Ben Haynes. How, how, how are you doing, mate? Mate, do you know how hard I just had to fight to not do an impression of Raj and do like a Northern accent? Like, right, Jack Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Who, I've seen he's like flying and gone on to bigger and better things. You must be like beautifully bitter. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see like, you know, the young lads. He's, he's spreading his wings and he's, he's flying high, but it's also like, come on, mate. Like, you know what I mean, show me up here. I'm, I'm still <laughs> here clinging on to this, clinging on to this husk of a Tottenham podcast. As if there aren't enough Tottenham podcasts going as it is, I'm still clinging really on to dear life for this one. It's that classic thing, isn't it? When you see one of your mates doing well and you're like, oh, well done, mate. Fuck off. Yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, you did something really good, didn't you? Yeah, so on, chuffed you, for you, you prick. Yeah, go on, <laughs> rubbing it in my face, you fucking... No, no, no. Good, 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 you know, well done to him. Good lads. He's, he's going to come back on every now and again. I'm talking about him like he's, he's dead. But he'll, he'll, May he he'll, rest in peace. Yeah, exactly. But he'll, uh, he'll be on every mate? now and again. It, it kills me when I sort of like... Uh, we haven't done No What A Night for a couple of weeks just because... I know, what's life going on? Has, Hurry up. Well, life has just been mad over the last few weeks and... Um, we, we, there's sort of five of us doing it. I'm not, if people have never listened to it before, it's, just, it's Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard, Hunter from, uh, from 90 Min, and then um, Jude and, and Sean from 90 Min. They're all like top coys boys. Um, but we're all just, just running around all over the place. And then once you get to the point where you're like, right, you sit down and speak about Spurs and then you, you have a weekend like we just had. It gets harder and harder to do it. But for, for some reason, I still expect to go onto my podcast feed and see Rule the Roost pop up. So, come on, Jack, for God's sake. Yeah. I, need, I need my therapy. What haven't you produced one for me yet? I always get it. It's less eloquent than that. I usually get uh, Ricky from the Fighting Cock say, hurry up and do one, you lazy cunt. <laughs> it should be like... I'll get that on WhatsApp every now and again. Yeah, I'll be like, brilliant. Oh, go on then. Go but on it's then. so weird. That's what podcast. Like, isn't that strange about podcasts that you kind of like? You don't. Have, you don't need it, but you when you need it, you really 
expect to see it there. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just the nice accompaniment to whatever it is you're doing. This is, this is it. Like, it's, it's after weekends like this, or the really good weekends, I'm, I'm like refreshing Acast or Spotify, whatever, to, to get the yeah. podcast. Like, when are they going to drop? When are they going to drop? Come yes. on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's usually, you know, when if we just win 1-0 or something, I'm a bit like, well, you know. Basically, yeah, basically the, the first half of this season has been yeah. just kind of like, oh, we won 1-0, great. But don't you think as Spurs fans, we're like really masochistic as well. We're like those, we're, in, in derbies, like big derby days, for example, you sort of, if Spurs win, I want to soak it up and I want to stick it to every single Arsenal fan that I sort of know or spend time with. And so I'll watch the highlights three million times. But kind of weirdly, there's this sort of dodgy odd bit of me that when we lose, I'm like, yeah, show me how much it bloody hurts. Do you know what I mean? Poking poke the bruise, isn't it? Poking yeah, the exactly. Peeling exactly. the scab. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, just... this is really painful and I'm still doing it. Yeah, go on then. Why not? Why not? Well, because um, particularly after we, because I was there on Sunday and it was like, I sort of, I had this moment when I was sitting there and West Ham fans are sort of cheering off their team. And I was like, oh, this is so painful, but I can't leave. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was sort of, it's horrid, absolutely horrid. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, before we, before we dive straight in on the, the real sort of miserable bit, you, uh, you, you put out a piece lately um, talking about one of the most glorious bits that we've oh, ever had uh, with a certain Mr. Lucas Mora. How, oh. how was that, mate? God, just, for anyone that hasn't seen it, give us, give us a little... Uh... Yeah, so we, the, the Players' Tribune, like, we're so fortunate. And basically, it's our job to just go around the world and try and tell stories of some of the greatest players, athletes that are living, uh, either still in their current career or haven't just retired or just want to tell a story, basically. And um, we had the opportunity to make something with Lucas Mora. And the guy is just an absolute joy. Like I, I, I've been really impressed with Lucas this year because I think he's, he's massively turned a corner for us and he's, he's um, working so hard and we're finally able to appreciate Lucas for being this incredible grafter but someone as well that can do the transition piece for us. I don't think even he would claim that he's this kind of Christian Eriksen replacement that at times he's been deployed as but He's certainly an incredibly hard worker. And so when we sat down and listened to him, I mean, he's, he spoke in Portuguese, so I didn't have a clue what on earth he was, what on earth he was talking about. You, but you didn't want to interrupt him, mate, and just be like, Oi, here, fella. <laughs> if you play for an English club, right? You talk in English, right? Well, okay, so this will make you melt. He comes up to me at the end, he's like, you don't want to do anything in English, no? <laughs> Even just his storytelling is very, very gentle. And he talked about the goal against Ajax and he sort of burst into tears again. And um, and just he, the, the whole experience of kind of working on that piece and just kind of helping him get his get his kind of greatest moments in one one place was it was it was epic it was really really nice one of the things i did find i don't want to you know it sounds a bit weird to say spoiler alert it's an interview at the end of the day with a, with a footballer so you know grow up but at the same time you know i don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't yet seen it and i do highly recommend you go and watch it on the players tribune youtube channel um but the, the, he because he, he's not really spoken about it too much before it was quite interesting to see this 
and I understand it completely, there's a fair bit of bitterness and I guess sort of unresolved anger there about him being dropped for the Champions League final. Was did you get that? Yeah, feeling when well, you were there, it, it's it, like do you know what it. It's like there's there seems to be that kind of like, oh how can I do? You, do you, have you ever had one of those experiences in life where you've had a fat argument with someone and you you sort of you you bottled up all of those things that you wanted to say and then you leave the room and you think oh god I should have uh, that would have been good if I said that you know I would have really stuck it to him and and then you never get that chance to to say those things that you want to say or get them off your chest and then the moment just goes and so instead of you ever really cleansing that and mm. and addressing that it just sticks around and unfortunately for Lucas just in the same way that he will always have the hat trick against Ajax he'll always have that little asterisk that says he came on what did he come on in the 60th minute I mean it was Poch making subs so the chance that it wasn't any time before yeah. but he, he, he would have come on the 60th minute and unfortunately wasn't able to make the impact I mean he had a big chance didn't he but he wasn't able to make the impact that, that he would have hoped to have made and I think I mean we, you and I have done this conversation a million times over but it's even the other week, someone asked me about this. I think it was a couple of weeks back. They were just like, I just can't believe Lucas didn't start that final. And I was like, but you're not a Spurs fan. And I mean, there are some Spurs fans that did expect Lucas to start that final. But it just, it's one of those things. If I was, if I'd been in his shoes, I wouldn't have been able to believe it. But you employ managers to kind of like siphon out emotion out of the situation. There's, there's, like, there's so much bollocks, isn't there, said? It's like... After the fact, it's very easy to say this stuff, but you know the the reality is Tottenham Hotspur in the Champions League final. We, we probably, or we may not, but I would say probably not, going to be there for a hundred years again, right? And you cannot, you even if he was whatever he was, forty percent fit, Harry Kane had to play that game. He had to. I can't remember. There's not who a I chance saw. you can you can not start Harry Kane. Someone yeah. said, "Can you imagine?" Spurs lining up in the tunnel for a Champions League final with that squad and Harry Kane not being in that starting lineup. He'd have probably asked to leave the club, honestly, at that stage. If they'd have done that to him as well, he'd have probably asked. To, I mean, he's done it anyway now, hasn't he? But, <laughs> you know, at that time anyway, when he, you know, he's. But uh, I don't know. It's very hard, isn't it, mate? Because I, I watched that and I, I loved it. It's, it's a great piece. And like I'd say, I would uh, recommend. This isn't a stipulation. Ben hasn't put this on as a stipulation, by the way. I'm giving him a free. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving I need him at least five minutes on that, Jack. Yeah. I'll yeah. need at least five <laughs> minutes there. I just wanted to talk about because it, it was it was such a brilliant video and it was it, it that period of being a Spurs fan was uh, you know everyone like we say everyone's had this conversation a million times but it brings it back so just clearly all the feelings that there were around Amsterdam so sort of, you know after getting through against Barcelona, thumping Dortmund, kind of beating City after they just, you know, the way they approached the game and all the narrative around that of, oh, well, Spurs' numbers up. To do that in the kind of David Brent, uh, whatever his name is, what's his name? Neil. No, to the other guy, yeah. Oh, oh Finchy. Why don't you fuck off? Oh, I love know? it. It was, it was that moment. Really and felt that, didn't it? Yeah, and just the kind of... Getting it and doing amps like doing Ajax, it was just it was just, it was like it was a dream world. It was like it was literally like watching a movie about Spurs written by the ultimate fantasist of just like 
Christ, yeah. like could, could, the thing that was so firmly in my mind about that, and I, I never forget. And it's it is probably you know this is me showing my age to a degree now, but just honestly being in a place as a Spurs fan where you vehemently felt, I probably won't ever see Spurs in the Champions League, let alone getting to the final. You know, I, I we were in the biggest game in 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 the like domestic football in terms of like what club football can offer. Your team that you've gone and watched lose to Kaiserslautern in the UEFA Cup when we thought that was dizzy heights, right. you know, just getting into the UEFA Cup and you watch them in the Champions League final and like it's, it was insane, insane, unbelievable. But it's still equally, and I wouldn't give it up for anything. And I, you know, Spooky said something about this the other day about you know anybody that kind of can't look upon this fondly because we didn't win the tournament, so on and so forth. To that effect. I really agree with that, but it's still so tin- there's still such a painful edge to it, isn't there? Yeah, and I think that you you, you I remember speaking to you at the time, and you you sort of said to me something to the effect of, "I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need a break here, like I'm gonna need some time," and and I remember that hitting me really hard because it sounds like I'm being such a soppy bollocks, but I remember that hitting me really hard because I think you really get. The idea of being a Spurs fan and the idea of it, it being about the journey as well as the destination and and at, at that point the two worlds had kind of met we'd kind of done the journey thing and we were on our way to the destination and to get that close and then to fall away it was like it was almost just a bit too much and so hearing Lucas talk about it it gave me a newfound respect actually for the way in which some players have managed... Look, there's, there's players that haven't managed to recover their form from that era, but there's players that have managed to kind of like, kind of reinvent themselves. I just don't know how... It, it's so hard to recover after something like that. Did, did you see uh, Kilpatrick's interview with Toby Alderweireld? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, like, that was really revealing that... Very telling, you know, wasn't it? Well, it was that Toby pretty much just said we were all just dead on our feet after that. The, like, the emotional kind of investment and physical investment for those few years of Spurs. And that was kind of the pinnacle of it. You know, We'd obviously had the two title races, the the Leicester one and then the Chelsea one the year after. And we'd done well at Wembley. You know, we'd had a, made a good fist of it in the Champions League. So we were still there or thereabouts. But that, like, you, you know, it was all starting to... The cadence had kicked in by that point, hadn't it, anyway? And it, it was... We knew it. that was the end of the road, really, for for the majority of those players and for that era of Spurs. And it was just that feeling, wasn't it, of just like... Oh God, is this it? Like, yeah, we missed out against Leicester. We missed out against Chelsea. But is this is this what was waiting around the corner? Just this, and it's oh, it's still just there. But it's still it's the you know it's what it's the motto of the club, isn't it? It's the echo of glory. Still, we still have that. And I think if you can't see that and if you can't feel that, like, <laughs> I don't think I don't think football as a Spurs fan is for you, really, is it? Yeah, like, no, look, I mean, I I. I pine all the time for not not for Spurs of 15 20 years ago but for football of 15 20 years ago you know I and I, I know that makes me sad and old and and stuff but I I like the simplicity of it I like the idea that you didn't just straight away move from oh we lost now time for vitriol you know it was like the the, the experience of match day was quite it was more important because 
you couldn't just get every single last opinion that anyone has ever had in the click of an app, you know? It, you sort of, there was a kind of, there was a sacred nature to the idea of going and watching the game, discussing it with your friends, and then waiting for match of the day, you know? Yeah. It's so like, uh, did you see all of the fallout? I assume you did see all the fallout sort of post United Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ugly, isn't it? It's, it's, but you, can you imagine the crushing weight of being at the centre of that? Like, the, 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 just the, the sheer weight of it. I don't think it's ever been this heavy. You know? It's like, funny, isn't it? Because I do have that... <laughs> there's that part of me that, like... I think you've got to view things through different lenses. Like, there is that part of me that, like, when I see, you know, a Solskjaer or a Steve Bruce, and you see the kind of pelters they get... There is that part of me that thinks, okay, as a, as a professional, you know, I get it. They're they're not doing their job properly, or at least they're not getting the results that are expected of them from not only the people that employ them, but the fans that pay a lot of money to go and watch them and invest a lot in them. And you know, it, 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 I think it often gets it, it, it's it's tricky. It'll often get kind of swatted away as just oh, fans being entitled or whatever. But I don't really agree with that. Like you know fans are allowed to want their team to to do well or to at least play in a certain way and so you kind of feel like you know if they are getting pelters they're in the public eye they know what this job is they get paid handsomely because the downsides of this job are very strong you know like you're in the public eye constantly you probably have people saying horrible stuff to you and I'm not excusing that but I think you know anybody in good conscience would say that they probably know that's part of the job unfortunately um but then on the flip side of that, like, yeah, I guess that's, I don't know, a, a rational minded thing to it or something. I don't really want to put it into rational or emotive. It's just one side of how I look at something. But then the other side of me is just like, as a bloke, you saw like Solskjaer leaving the pitch. And as much as there is a, obviously that bit of me is like, ah, United lost 5-0. <laughs> you do think, oh, mate, like that's, that's horrible. That's like, you know, that's like you or I working on a piece and it, absolutely flopping and everyone Tanking. digging you out on it you know whether you've missed something that's inappropriate or insensitive and you're getting dug out for it you haven't done your job properly you've missed this player making this offensive remark or something who is it that made this you're awful oh, you're, and you, do you know that feeling of just uh, like oh no do you know what uh, do you know what? if you've never worked in if you haven't done any work in production like people won't understand the pit that is in your stomach when you make a big mistake that you didn't mean to, or when you made an error that you kind of, it was just an omission or it was a, a kind of like a, a leaving something in that wasn't meant to be in there, but the pit that you get in your stomach. So to think that you, that when you make your mistakes, it not only is felt by your immediate team, but is felt by millions of people all over the world. And not just millions of people over the world, but people all over the world that have massive swathes of influence that can turn around and just be like, well, I don't like the fact that you've made that mistake and absolutely balls it up. I'm now going to tell anyone that will listen that I want you to have the most negative thing possible happen to you and your family. Like, it, it, I, I know I, I'm, I'm massively reading too much into this. At the end of the day, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer lost an, a game of football in an unforgivable way. And most managers in that situation would get fired. But it, it has, I think maybe the more that I've worked in football and, and 
kind of been maybe a little bit closer to it, you start to see more humane sides of people and you're like, oh God, that's that just makes me a little bit uncomfortable. You know, just the whole thing, just it's a little bit much now. It's funny because I, I, I guess we can segue this into Spurs. When you look at somebody like Nuno and you see already that there's kind of calls for him to, to get the chop. And it's... It is horrible. It's it's a very uncomfortable feeling in me as a person of just like how viscerally, honestly, viscerally, and I I, I feel this because you know we all love Spurs and it's I, I don't I don't hate him. I don't hold any personal umbrage, but I just I just I don't want him there at the club anymore. Um, and what, I, don't, what, what, I don't. What led you to it? What kind of what's made you feel kind of like? Was there moments where you were like? Oh, I've changed my mind, or or was there never a moment where you were bought in? I mean, I wasn't bought in, but I wasn't against his appointment. If I, you know, I'm not going to revise history. There was that part of me I thought, yeah, I know his kind of his last year at Wolves was a bit boring, but I just thought of the last year of Pochettino, you know, or the last half season of Pochettino, where it's like, you know, I know Nuno. You saw how he was. He was very Klopp esque, you know, when he was in that that golden era with Wolves. He was pumping his fists at the crowd. He was hugging all the players, big back slaps and all that. And I thought, again, you know, this is a huge emotional expenditure that has resulted in a tepid, boring last season under Wolves. But, you know, he's coming to Spurs now. So this is going to be a step up. This is the kind of thing for him of like, I kind of, I took on board everyone saying, oh, you know, he was our seventh choice or whatever. But, you know, I sort of thought, he, he looks like the sort of personality that's going to step into this though. And if there's players that, you know, don't want to respect him because he's the seventh choice or whatever, he seems like he's he's got something about him where he's going to be able to kind of be like, no, look, I'm here and I'm going to make a fist of this and I'm going to show to the owners and to the fans that I can do this again. I can kind of be a Pochettino light or whatever. You know, we don't need to draw comparison to Pochettino constantly. He can be his own man. He can be, maybe do replicate what he did with Wolves, you know, taking them to a, I think it was a Europa League semi-final. Um, can do something similar with Spurs, you know, get get that energy back into the squad and kind of start to build something. Um, and I would just say like from the first the first few weeks... I kind of held off. I was like, this is a bit boring, really. But again, it's the start of a new era. There's a new project here. But it's just kind of continued to the point where I still watch us and I just think there's no real pattern of play. I kind of look at us and I just think like, again, it's just a continuation of get the ball to Son or Kane and hope that they can do something. Because I just, I just don't really see anything there. And I think... To your question of like when the turning point for me was with Nuno, I mean, Arsenal to me was an abomination. Like it was, it's, I mean, we've had worse. The, I, what I would say is there's been worse Tottenham teams to meet far better Arsenal teams in my lifetime that have still put up more of a fight than there was in this game. And I know that doesn't rest entirely with Nuno and it, a lot of it is on the players. And I don't blame Nuno for this entirely, but there's just that part of me is like, for whatever, whatever is going on, whether the players haven't bought into him because of this or because he's not managing to translate his his approach or his tactics properly to them or thoroughly enough, 
something about the whole thing is just not working. Like the, things are not moving in alignment, and you can just you can just see it. It just he 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 looks like a defeated man already. Even against like Palace when we got thumped by Palace, he's just he just seems so resigned to it already. And I think what I what I do what I am disappointed with Nuno in to be honest, like what what I will kind of in my you know because again I'm not I'm not there on the training pitch I'm not I'm not seeing what he's telling them to do week in week out I think what really hits me the hardest is the kind of like the you know the I don't know pub philosopher <laughs> as I've been called like you know looking into the emotion <laughs> and the feeling behind football and everything like that it's just it's that disappointment for me that like he's it seems to be weighing on him that yeah he is like our he was like our fifth sixth choice manager and he's only got a two year contract and uh, well I think Ali Gold's poo-pooed the whole thing of him he's gonna get kicked out if he doesn't finish top six but whatever stipulations there are in his contract it does seem to just he just seems to already be like ah these lot don't want me so kind of I'm not that asked you know and it it just seems disappointing there's no like he doesn't seem to be like rev- really we needed somebody in this period post Mourinho he needed someone to come into this role and be like fuck all of you I'm going to show you what I'm made of and you're just not really getting that from him and you know it doesn't need to be all about that it doesn't need to be all about the kind of the gammon stuff it, some of it can also be about what we see happening on the pitch and there's still just there's not really anything there um and i know people what i have heard people say is like oh you know oh you've got exacting standards haven't you you know they're still within touch and distance of the top four and you know you've beaten man city noise but i think we can all say like you know the majority of our wins and everything have again just come from mostly the fact that we have good players because i don't I, i was talking to uh my mate kyle about this like I don't really buy this idea that we have a shit squad. I don't buy that the that the, t- the team is terrible. I don't think it's as good as it's been in the past years, but it's definitely not shit. But the team, the way it plays, it just seems non-existent. I don't. I couldn't tell you what we are. I couldn't say at all what's our approach to this because you know when I have mates who support other teams when we're about to play them, I say, "Oh, what do you, what do you think you're doing this game?" Like you know, I'm literally. I don't know, mate. Just look out for Son and Kane. You know, and that's kind of what what we are at the moment. I feel. Um, well, do I suppose <clears throat> the difference this weekend for me, the 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 thing that I've taken from this weekend that has perked me up marginally, is that even though West Ham are now sitting in the top four, they were totally aware that we were the bigger club than them, that we were the better side than them this weekend. I mean, look, look, sod the stats, and I don't don't want, I'm not someone who gets, like, gets too bogged down in the statistics and stuff, and possession doesn't win you games and all of that, but West Ham had, what, 38, 39% possession. They didn't play with the ball at all, and they've got some nice technical players. They physically should have had the better of us in, in midfield in terms of their ability to mix it with us and to go head-to-head with Suchek and Rice. And they're obviously physically very dominant at the back with Bonner and Zuma. But they approached the game as the smaller team. 
And the, the thing that, I mean, it's, it seems like I'm, again, sort of doing all sorts of mental gymnastics to take positives from what was another London derby defeat, which kills me. Like, the, the, the pain of sitting there and watching West Ham fans celebrate was just horrid. But I don't think, even though David Moyes has got West Ham functioning, I think if we were playing the way that West Ham played at the weekend, we'd be livid. Like if we were sitting there with 39% possession and got a scrappy goal from a corner, they, like, rightly, we would all be sitting there and be like, well, what about our DNA? And I mean, we were trying to play with the ball and we just couldn't break them down. But I don't think that's anything new for Spurs. Do you know what I mean? I don't think, since Christian Eriksen left and, and Delhi kind of has, has dropped into a deeper position, with the exception of Tangi sort of just creating magic, I don't think it's anything new for us to struggle to break down stern defences. And I think that Mourinho last year, I don't know whether you agree with this, but I used to feel like Mourinho in big games would say, buckle up because we're just going to sit in and be super, super tight for the whole game. And then against teams where he trusted us to be able to somehow outscore them or whatever, he just used to take the, the shackles off and just be like, right, I remember you calling it fan fiction last year because it was, wasn't it? It was like, right, Bale, Son, Kane, just go and have a field day. And we spanked teams like Palace and Burnley. And there was a, there was a couple of others, a couple of games in Europe that, where we just let the... the we, we battered. We beat Leicester heavily at the back end of of the, the season where it was like the, the project restart and stuff. Where we yeah, that's what three... finished us above Arsenal, isn't it? Yeah, and like there was times where we'd just take the shackles off. But I feel like we're in this weird middle ground now, right, where we've where Mourinho's gone and you, you kind of almost have to... It's like being stood on the treadmill and being desperate to start your run at the, at the gym and you're, you're ready to go and then you get your headphones out of your pocket... And you see this massive tangle of knots and it takes you 45 minutes before you start running because you have to untie all of the, the kind of the, the, the knots and the little like <clears throat> issues that you've got with your headphones before you can just put on some good music and get cracking. So I do, I do get for Nuno, like I, I get that he's walked into a situation where, I mean, he was, he's had such a difficult start equally. I get that for Spurs fans sitting there and watching us have sixty percent possession and not having a shot in the second half, like that that that's painful. It is painful. I mean, it would, like I was there. I was I was sort of my body was tense for the entire of the second half because I was just desperate for us to to do something and I didn't. I, it just didn't feel like we were going to. And I don't know whether like whether if I was maybe more. If I was able to remove my Spurs lens, I might be able to kind of say, be more balanced and say, oh, well, like West Ham are a really good defensive side and they're, they're very organised and stuff. But it just, as a Spurs fan, all you're really looking for is, is your side to score, right? You're not really looking to appreciate the fact that other teams want to make it impossible for us. You're just looking for Spurs to break them down. But the, the issue is, I, at, at the moment... Like when you're looking at that side, you're sort of thinking, oh, I'm, I'm hoping for magic as opposed to I know that we're going to slice through West Ham at will. I'm sort of thinking, oh, maybe Sonny, maybe Harry, maybe Tangy, maybe a set piece. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. Have I done a horrible job of explaining that? No, no, I know what you mean. It's definitely, and I think 
just the thing that's quite painful about watching that game on the weekend as well is seeing a player like Declan Rice doing what he's doing and just thinking like that is that's exactly the player we need in the middle like we it's somebody like that doing what he's doing for them kind of marshalling the midfield but spraying quality balls around holding it up like honestly dare I say almost reminiscent of a kind of peak Moussa Dembele for Tottenham oh god he's kicked on on levels Declan Rice he really has and I I was highly sceptical of him at first just probably more in the way of like oh it's another young English player getting hyped up Um, he's going to be another Mark Noble kind of thing but he really really looks top draw Oh um, mate, and he's got like he really, really ha- has got everything, and I sort of his ability to dribble now is so, so good. He seems to be able to make driving runs forward with the ball. His range of passing is amazing. He's great in the air. His first touch is very good. He see, and even more annoyingly for Spurs fans, he seems like an incredibly likable guy. Like when I was watching England over the summer, he, he sort of became he sort of became my sort of like. MVP in terms of looking looking out for social stuff off the back of uh, off the back of this really lovely fluffy warm feeling about England. I I loved watching Declan Rice over the summer, and I thought arguably he's England's best player in the final. And he, I think he got brought off, didn't he? I remember thinking, yeah. like, what on earth? How are you coming off? You've been incredible, and he was great again. And Suchet was great again. But listen, we're not we're not the only side that are look, sitting there. Looking over enviously at West Ham, I mean, Man United are desperate for Declan Rice. You know, they're desperate for someone like that. Um, and we just, it feels like we're in, it feels like we're in a state of flux, doesn't it? It feels like we're in that, that spot at the moment where you're watching Ollie Skip and Hoybier and saying like, yeah, I, I, I think that's like, I love what Hoybier does in terms of keeping things simple and being good at the physical side. I love that Oliver Skip is so committed and seems to have a massively high ceiling. But you're also looking at other midfields in the league and saying that, well, they've, like, for example, Suchek and Rice, they've got it nailed down, haven't they? Yeah. I think this is my, I'm often critical of Hoybier and it's, it's often misconstrued as me not liking him or, well, yeah, exactly that, just hating him. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike him. But the the point that I continue to make about him, and I've been consistent on, to be fair, I'm not, I'm not kind of just jumping on any bandwagon about it, is that as much as I think he's he's a good player and he fills a kind of role that you know we we've needed for quite some time, I don't look at him and think he could make he could make a claim to play in any of the teams sat above us. Like okay, well, not notwithstanding teams like Brighton and stuff, but I'm talking about you know, in the in the philosophical sense, the teams above us. If you if you get what I mean, not the the actual sense. And that, you know, if we want to get back to that place again, I think it's such an important part of the pitch that really needs an upgrade. Is that centre midfield? And I mean, he's one of the main sort of faces that I I look at at the moment and think like. It's great. He's 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 a great kind of squad player potentially, but I just I just think we need somebody a lot better where he is where he is sat. And I, you know, when I look at somebody like Declan Rice, I think like I, I, and I know this point. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Somebody, someone like Manchester United would would say exactly the same. And I get that. It's just because it's this the recency bias of having just seen him 
boss our midfield basically. Then. No, but also, mate, it's because we were we were for a bit we were we were spoiled, you know. For a bit, there was a there was a really um, there was a really special period where you had a fully fit Victor Fanyama and you had Musa Dembele in the middle of the park and Eric Dyer as their backup. Uh, yeah, yeah, and a, then a him brilliant just... Eric Dyer, you know. <clears throat> and and I remember I used to watch I used to watch it wasn't do you know what I rem- we talk about Dembele all the time. But people forget that Wanyama just used to throw people around for fun. Like there would be a, a 50-50 challenge in the middle of the park or there would be just a sort of shoulder to shoulder or there'll be a ball bouncing around. Then he just used to just throw people out the way and then retain possession and just go and say, right, And his off dribbling, you go. his dribbling, the way he could do Driving. it. You know? oh. He's, honestly, mate, he, I've... I, I, I loved him for a long time before he came to Spurs. He'd often be my stock answer whenever we'd get questions to the pod back in the day of who would I like us to sign. Always Victor Wanyama. And when we did, I was just like, bang, yes, this is it. Like, he's, he's you know, he's our boy now. And it's, again, it's kind of seen go that Sandro route of just getting those injuries where you're like, oh, he's just broken, isn't he? But and, and that's but that's the flip with Hoybier, right? I, I, for all of the the things that he's limited on. I saw I saw you had like a, a, a really interesting exchange with Nathan, I think, on Twitter, just kind of talking about the limitations of Hoybier, taking into account that brilliant pass for Harry Kane's goal uh, against Newcastle. For, for his limitations, Hoybier is someone that you realistically are going to get potentially 40... 45 games out of in a season he's a warrior and that that is the that's this kind of weird like when you're balancing the scales out that for me feels like the issue that we've had for the last two and a half years is that we we seem to be consistently taking weights off one side and putting them onto the other and can never quite get the the scales to balance do you know what I mean we seem to be Mm. sort of like Okay, well, let's go skip and Hoybier, and that will balance the defensive side. And then we'll say, right, we'll let Tangi kind of go in the free roll, and that'll balance, balance the attacking side. And that's fine against Newcastle, who, after about 20 minutes the other week, very quickly remembered that they were a team that hadn't won a game all season. But it's when you get into the tougher games and you're looking at those, those individual battles, you think, like, how many of these are we going to win? And then. Moyes chooses to play with six, seven men behind the ball and just hope that they score from a from a set piece, which they did. I mean, it, it makes it very, very difficult then because then you have to play like you're the bigger side. And we, I don't feel like we're in a position um, <clears throat> just because of the nature of the last two years. I don't feel like we're in a position where we can slice through people like we used to. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we, you saw Absolutely. the way that you saw the way that like Liverpool, for example, when they, when they went to face Watford, and you thought Watford would be thinking, right, keep it tight for five ten minutes. They should try and play. Oh, oh my God, we're one 0 down. Yeah. Like that, that, we can't do that to teams in the in the same way. And I don't imagine that with with this with the style of play that Nuno's kind of going for. I don't imagine that we're going to. Um, but but it, it's I suppose in the the reason why it's, it's even more difficult is because you go into games against teams like West Ham and you know we're a player for player I'm the same as you I think we've got I think we've got a very good squad I don't think we've got a bad squad I think our squad is comfortably up there I think we should be challenging for the top four yeah 100% 100%. in terms of player for player we 
absolutely have the squad to do that. And you know what as well? I entirely back Nuno's decision to say, right, everyone stay here and get ready for the West Ham game. Like there was a lot of big, te- there was a lot of big sort of fallout and people kind of being like, oh, what, like, what about this and what about that? If you win your home games in the Conference League and you beat Moro away, we've got the draw against Wren, we're good. Like we're through. Like he, 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 that was a, that for me was the right call. But the problem then comes is that when you lose 1-0, it then brings it, it brings the whole thing sharply into focus, doesn't it? You, you then have lost two games back to back as opposed to like, well, that was just really good that you got those top players a rest. Because remember when we were all sitting there last year or maybe a year and a half ago and just saying, oh my God, these guys are burnt out. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, we were sitting there and saying... Sorry, Karen. No, 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 go on, go on, go on. Well, I was just going to say, it's like on that point, like I, I, I agree. Like I've seen a lot of people saying, and I kind of, I, I, I get it in theory, the idea of like, you know, what does this mean to anybody in the other team? Like, you know, you're our B team, you're not good enough for the A team. But I just, I don't, I don't personally feel that that's how a professional elite athlete's mind works. I, I would kind of look at it more that they would be like, right, this is my platform to shine now. And I don't have, like, I don't doubt for a second, really, um, for all the things I say about him, if, say, Delhi had absolutely wiped the floor with Vitesse, he'd have probably, there would have been a place for him uh, against West Ham. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's, that's kind of, that's that's what that's for. And I, like you say, I don't mind, like, resting kind of, What's the important first tip? I don't. I just don't think it's that deep. I think people know there's a preferred eleven at times, and it's but their kind of job to fight their way into that. But know? isn't that like? Isn't that, I'm sort of a little bit at a loss with with that argument because I'm like, isn't that fundamentally what professional football is all about? Yeah. Like you are fighting for every single week. You're fighting for your place in the team. And so Nuno's kind of categorically saying that, go, go on then, go out and show me that. Exactly. I think if anything, because you know, people, the thing that you will often see is, so say for example, the, you saw Danny Rose when he went, to, and I know it's all or nothing and it was kind of, it's probably highly edited, but it seemed to be the crux of Danny Rose's point with Mourinho was not knowing where he stood. And the one thing I will say about Nuno doing this kind of thing is at least he's letting people know where they lie in his plans at the moment. And I, I don't think that's as bad a thing as as I've seen certain people make out. 
really at the moment. So I'm I'm completely with you on that one. I think you know if anything is is a very good motivating factor because again like you know like we say you, you can't you can't claim to know the mind of every single you can't generalize all professional footballers into one group but at the same time like you know for anybody that's interested in sport or anything like I mean of course you are if you listen to this at the end of the day but we all know that like we we all knew the kind of the kids at school who were good at football and they wouldn't hardly any of them would have been anywhere near good enough to even play at conference level, let alone kind of League Two, League One or Premier League. Like the the mindset of these footballers, they're not just going to get dissuaded because they got dropped from the first team. The majority of them are going to fight tooth and claw to get, because that's all they've done their whole career. They've had to fight all the way through all the youth levels, fight all the way through the academies or the lower leagues to get to where they are. And they want to be there. And if, if, you know, ultimately, if they don't have that in them, if they don't want to fight to get back there, then they're not the sort of player that you can rely on in a first team anyway. Like, and that, a lot of people might say that sounds gammon, but to me, it's it's those small kind of increments that make all the difference. Like it's, we've, it's marginal gains, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. The whole thing. You, they are the naught point naught 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 one percent, and you're saying that that the person on the periphery. Should, is just going to sit there and accept that they're not the zero point zero 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 one percent. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just not a thing. How, how 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 many times have we seen it and we've said it and we've heard every single Spurs podcast, Spurs writer, anyone that tweets about, everyone has spoken about those moments where Spurs just let themselves down. And we saw it, you know, when we we're in that good run of form with Mourinho and we came up against Liverpool, who were in awful form at that point. And it was just that that last minute header from Firmino that like that got it for them again, and they just got it over the line because whatever it is that Klopp's instilled in them, you know, people aren't people aren't talking about Jurgen Klopp like bringing in Jordan Shakiri or bringing in Minamino. Oh, it's not very fair of him to not to put him in the first team, and why is he putting him in the kind of like the you know in the Mate, this, in the dead weekend, rubber European games? He you ditched know? Sadio Mane this weekend. Like, Mane's has been phenomenal, and he just he made a decision for the team. Bosh, off you go, Mane. You're not you're not you're not starting this one. You know he knew what he wanted to do this weekend. He knew what he had to get from that game, and, and there was pressure on uh, there was pressure on Naby Keita and people saying that he wasn't performing at the peak of his powers. And he said, look, I think he's the right person for this game. But I guess that I, I guess I can I can imagine now the Spurs fans like screaming at us right now. But I guess the point that they would they would make is that you kind of people like Jurgen Klopp earn the right to do that. They they sort of they earn that sort of unwavering trust in their decision making. And the same with Pep Guardiola and Phil Foden, right? He said about Foden for the longest time, look, I'm going to take my time with him, and you're going to see that he's going to come good. And we're seeing the kind of fruits of his labour now. Like Phil Foden is not only coming good, he's going to become one of the best in the world if he's not already kind of three quarters of the way there. So it, it, the, the tough thing is, is that momentum plays such a massive part of whatever the the kind of zeitgeist is saying that you sort of it, it, it's it, it's on such a knife edge the entire time particularly like we were talking about at the beginning of the pod, that because of the fallout is so dramatically large that you have to be so careful with that momentum. Losing it is, is, 
massive at the moment. And I don't know about... Sorry, did, go on, did, did you see Jurgen Klopp this week? He was talking about this exact thing. And he was talking... He, he likened momentum to like nurturing a vegetable pa- or flowers or flowers, something. Flowers, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, he was like yeah, yeah. tending your garden or something. You, you have to look after it and you have to keep applying it and being gentle with it. But And it's so true because we felt that more than anything. Like we, we had... We, we just got to that point, even kind of in like 17, 18, that first year at Wembley at Spurs, where there was still just that thing about us where even if we were like, oh, I'm not feeling that confident about this game, you were still in the back of your head, though, like, ah, we're, we're quality, though, still. You know, we're still really good. And yeah. yeah. Since the gloss has come off of us a bit now, we just, under Mourinho, under Mason for his time, I mean, that's not really a worthy thing to talk about, really, but... Under Mourinho and especially under Nuno, we just still don't seem to be getting off the ground. You know, we don't seem to be getting that run together because it's so hard to say if we are good or not under Nuno. That's the biggest thing. Is like, well, what do you put that down? Like, what do you put that down to? Like, what do you when you sort of think about the idea of like, is the is it the DNA thing? Is it the? And I know that you'll hate that that turn of phrase as much as as much as any other Spurs fan sort of hates it when people sort of sit there and go like, oh yeah, show me the Spurs DNA then, mate. But it, 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 is it that the nature of our style of football or is it just the results? Because, I mean, I suppose if it's just the results, you look at you look at the West Ham game and you say, oh, that sucks. We go again against United. If it's the style of play thing, then you're looking at the fact we didn't have any shots on target in the second half, you know, and then it's more difficult for people to stomach. It's probably wrapped in with the style of play, and it, but it's <laughs> the funny thing is, I found it easier to buy into Mourinho because love him or hate him, I still kind of felt like, and it, it's not to say that I liked the plan, but I still could see what he was doing. The problem with Nuno is that like I'm not a hundred percent. Even the games that we've won, I'm kind of like, how did we win that though? There's there's just there's not something there yet to buy into. I think that's that's the problem for me with him. And a, an interesting point that you bring up the DNA is that I saw this point raised on I can't remember if it was where it was to be honest, but um, the point was being made that you know we've essentially hired a defensive low block coach, but now what he's got hanging over his head is this: we've got to play this Spurs DNA way. We've got to make the fans proud, and we've got to make them all happy again. So you're kind of forcing him to do something that he's not overly comfortable with so again how can you really blame him and I, I, that's that's kind of the thing i do read the point i really want to make clear here um to anybody that's listening it's like oh why is he gunning you know why is he going for nuno and it's you know not levy or anything i've spoken at length about levy and about enoch and the way in which i feel that they've kind of neglected the footballing side of of spurs for quite some time but yeah i've even i've even likened Daniel Levy to kind of being a Jose Mourinho of chairman himself, of somebody that was brilliant and absolutely fantastic, but just now just seems a little bit out of touch. And, uh, you know, the, I don't think that the chairman's going to go anywhere, nor do I think he's all bad. I don't I don't really buy into this idea of, you know, I mean, you often see people using words like, you know, they're parasites and stuff, which, uh, uh, you know, I think people people just people just on a, on a note on a side note on that like I do see that word used a lot and I, I'm not saying that any criticism of Daniel Levy or talking about him being a shrewd businessman and stuff is anti-Semitic but when you start veering into the kind of territory of calling him like 
vermin and parasites and stuff. I just think you should be a bit more careful with the kind yeah, of the I angle. Know, I completely agree. You're with taking that. on that because we've seen this a lot with with the discussion, like from the outside about Harry Kane and everything like that. The way it all got turned into a Levy's being tight, Levy's being a penny pincher. It was all a bit uncomfortable and it was all a bit like, let's have it right. Manchester City could pay a lot of money here and they're not doing it. So let's give them the ire and let's step away from the kind of the old tropes about, you know, whatever, Shylock and stuff, shall we? Um, it's it, But anyway, I mean, with Nuno, I get it. It's it's a, It's a big... There's a perfect storm of shit, basically, that he's inherited. And I think my sort of my my main feeling on him is that it's just it's not there. It's just not working out. And I guess I, I don't I don't expect him to you know, it's getting called El Sakiko, this game against yeah. uh, against Manchester United, but I don't think he's in trouble yet by by any stretch of the imagination because, you know, Levy and the people in charge are their numbers people and they will look at where Spurs are in the league they will look at our results to this point and they will see it as and, and I can understand I, I, I don't agree with it I don't like it but I can see it when you're looking at kind of the bottom line they will look at that and be like he's doing alright yeah the fans don't particularly like the style of play and stuff but they're all still coming to games they're all still buying merch they're all still buying pints and burgers and everything because nobody's been to football for a long time and they all want to do it now and at the end of the day whether they like the results or not Nuno's doing all right he's only been in charge for however many months so he's he's got he's got time there yeah obviously if things start to I I, I felt like we were maybe in risk when we were getting done three nil every single week that's kind of a result that is uh you know that's a pattern of results that is catastrophic um but he seems to have kind of steadied the ship slightly since then so i think he's got time um i mean if we just touch on united very briefly like this to me i don't know if you agree with what i've just said there but this to me feels it's more about like if we turn united over that's you'd think that's Solskjaer gone because the conversations seem to be being had with Conte at the moment. Oh, mate, I, t- I tell you the thing. The thing that I've just to pick up on something that you just said there about the 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 nature of kind of like what goes on. Like we we have no idea what's happening behind closed doors. My experience so far, all I can comment on on, on my experience, the place seems a far happier place this year, um, and and everyone seems to have good energy and seems to be very upbeat um, this year. <clears throat> in comparison to, to kind of like the only comparison I've got, I mean, to be fair, it was under COVID, so it's very hard to create that sort of positive energy when there's no fans in the stadium, etc. But um, th- th- there does seem to be a, a good energy. and what, So I can't, I, I have no idea about what goes on behind closed doors and how people act. But one thing I do know, and it's the same for United as it is the same for Tottenham, I can't stand like the, the weird kind of, this desperation to try and like leak stuff to try and be saying oh like this is what the players think about this or this is what I don't I've got no interest in that you know I don't I I hate it when I see this kind of this sort of a source has said 
X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, I saw it this week with Solskjaer that they're all like all these suddenly all these players that five minutes ago were saying about how the atmosphere is so much nicer at Man United and now coming out and saying it's horrible. I can't play under this X, Y, Z. And we and we have no idea whether there's any accuracy in it or not. But because of the clamour for it and because of the clamour for that consistent it's like an insatiable appetite for gossip it gets gobbled up and it gets shared absolutely everywhere and like i mean mark ogden who is he's a a a, a strong journalist obviously and very sort of reputable and people like his stuff i mean he was on five live last night on the monday night club talking about family members and agents and people coming to him and explaining to him about why their player or, or their family member is unhappy at Man United. I can't stand it. Like, it really bothers me. So the fact that we then get into this kind of, like, go into this weekend with that kind of hanging around. I'm, look, I'd much rather it's hanging around over United than hanging around over Spurs. But it's just really, really ugly. And that, to be honest, our home record at the moment is... is, is it's really, really good. I'd much rather we just kind of focus on the idea of let's go out there and get the business done. Do you know what I mean? Let's go out there and try and like impact our game plan onto Man United and, and, and do the things that we are all talking about us doing. You know, like we're, we're talking a good game at the moment and sometimes it's coming off and sometimes it's not. Like I'm desperate for us to go and sort of have a go at Man United and, and sort of take the game to them. And exert some extra pressure just like we did like we did against Newcastle did you find that after about five minutes once all the kind of ridiculousness of the 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 celebration of the start of a new era at Newcastle which I mean don't even get me started but did you find yeah did you find that you had that sudden like like that that sudden flick in your brain where you're like get them go and get them do you know what I mean like I, I sort of I imagine come come Saturday evening we will absolutely have that with Man United. You know, no messing around. Like they're under pressure, so what? <laughs> like let's go and get this done. Yeah, I, that's that's just what you want to see more from the team. You want that feeling that there is that urgency there again. You know, that there is that kind of, and it is all this sort of gammon intangible stuff. But you just want to see a bit of pride in wearing the shirt, in playing for. Let's be honest, playing for a world favorite because I don't. There's all this crap that's been said at the moment of like nobody wants to manage Tottenham. Nobody, just give over. Like we're one of the whether people people. And this is to to your point of saying that you know the way football discussion is now. What have you won? Oh, you're a dead club. Or you're this. Or do you know what I mean? Like we are one of the biggest clubs on the face of the planet. We have a beautiful stadium. Whether you know. I miss the old White Hart Lane, but objectively speaking, it's a beautiful stadium. It's amazing. It's the best stadium in the world. We have some of the best players in the world playing for us still. Like, we can finish in a Champions League places this year. And you just want the players to feel that again. You don't... I don't want them to feel like... Or at least to be putting out performances that indicate that they're somehow fed up or they're just not there for it. Because... They can all they can all look you know people can say what they want about Harry Kane about whether he's playing or not I don't know I you know I don't know I'm not inside the bloke's head he's obviously not playing that well this season 
Um, I don't actually think he was that terrible against West Ham for what it's worth. I mean, he seemed to get a lot of the ire, but I actually thought he was all right. I thought he was bright in places. But, you know, we just need them all to remember. Like, they, yeah, they can all look elsewhere. They can all look at City and see what Chelsea are doing and see Newcastle breathing down everyone's neck now, probably with all in the next few years anyway, with the money they've got. But equally, you know, can't, why can't they look at teams like Atletico? what they do in, in Spain all the time. You know, like, a team like Ajax, look at what they're doing in the Champions League. Like, if you believe, if you buy into something, and if you give it your all, you can get there. And that's what Pochettino managed to harness with Spurs and take, a, 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 let's be honest, a fairly ragtag group of players that he inherited and turn them into one of, for a, for a brief window, one of the best teams in Europe. Literally one of the best teams in Europe. And that was that would have been unheard of. And it's not impossible to get there again. It isn't impossible. And I think we all feel that way sometimes. I fucking I feel that half the time. For the for the past two, three years, I, I look at I look at what Liverpool do and I look at what City do, the way they play, and I look at Chelsea now and I think like oh, just a couple of years ago we were fucking fighting toe-to-toe with this lot. We didn't have any right to be, but we were. And you look at the way Liverpool play, like, I mean, it's beautiful. Like, I, I hate them so much, I can't hide it. But so much of it, I know, is just jealousy. It's just bitterness, because they're just the way they play football. It's it's breathtaking at times. And it's not as clinical as City, and it's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's enough to get them over the line, but it's amazing. But it's not impossible for Spurs to play that way again. And a lot of that, yeah, we can talk about Nuno, we can talk about Levy and who we've signed or who we haven't, but a lot of it as well is on the players and they just have to, they have to believe again. They, ha- they have to play their part. They have to because we've seen it under under Mourinho and we've seen it under Nuno. Like, they have to, they have to shoulder some of it, you know? The, the, particularly when you think about the idea that the, this it feels like the Premier League goes through cycles and iterations. And the year that Leicester won it was the year when everyone had their downturn. Obviously, we Newcastle are going to be someone to contend with in the next few years as well. But there's going to be a point where a team that peaks at the right time is going to shock the league again. Not in, not in 5,000 to 1 Leicester vibes, but... There's going to be a point where Pep leaves City and where Klopp leaves Liverpool and Chelsea do their like inevitable like manager change because things start to fall fall away, which just happens. And there'll be a chance there. You know, my my feeling is that it's all about now who can prime themselves for that for that march on 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 the on the on the league when things fall away and weirdly enough I actually thought Man United were in the best place to do that like at the beginning of the season I thought Man United were the team that were in the best place to do that but coming into facing this weekend I don't think there's another team I'd rather face in in the league now this this weekend I mean maybe they turn up and they have one of those games where they they do the whole um they do the whole we'll save will save everything by turning out an incredible performance. It just feels a little bit different this time. Do you know what I mean? The, the feels just a thing, little bit different. I have, because of them and because of us, I just have no, I really have no idea where this game goes this weekend. None, none at all. 
I, I can't. I can't. I'm, because there's that part of me that wants to say, and I and I feel that it's just me wanting to say it to fill the air of like, oh, you know, I'm not. I don't even believe that Spurs can take advantage of this Manchester United. But I don't know if I believe that because I think maybe we can. And I, I, but I, but then at the same time, maybe the United turns up that has Cristiano Ronaldo that just fancies scoring a lot of goals in our big nice stadium. You know. Uh, do, do, do you think it's a like? Do you think we will have to counter attack this weekend? Would you sort of? Do you think it's one of those where it's almost in our interest to sit in and and have a stab on the counter attack? I think we should have a go at it, mate. I think everybody's shown this year. If you have a go at United, they lose their asses. I completely agree. I, I'm desperate to see it. Like I'm, I'm their, their midfield. I, I would say our midfield is on par with theirs. You know, like it's 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 you know ramshackle and not particularly functional. But I would say that ours is slightly more solid than theirs. Um, and I think their defence is still all... I mean, I don't know what's happened to... Me. Well, I guess it's since the Greece thing, but Maguire's just not not the player he was a few years ago. Um, he's very all over the place. So I, I reckon we just go for United. Do you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see us have a, a first half like we did against Chelsea, but make a breakthrough. Like that was just beautiful. That was so good. I mean, I I saw like that that version of Spurs. You just coming back to what you talked about earlier on. Um, that version of Spurs. I really recognised that. Do you know what I mean? I really mm-hmm. just in that first half against Chelsea. I just really got it. I was like, this is this is exactly the sort of Spurs that I I abs- I get such a thrill from watching. Um, and equally, I got a lot of joy from watching the Spurs performance against Man City. You know, knowing that, look, we were going up against a side that was better than us, but being so tenacious and aggressive and, and sort of at it, you know. Yeah, maybe City were going to have more of the ball, but we weren't going to give them an inch. Seeing Jaffet Tanganga just smash into Jack Grealish and, and Sterling and, and just put himself about. Like, I, I really, really want to see that version of Spurs this weekend go at United. Like, I'm... I'm Desperate to see it because I feel like they're, I feel like they're in a position where they can be finished off. This know? is this is the time. Then I know he's not flavour of the month. He probably won't ever be the darling that he once was. But you know, I don't buy the calls to drop Kane or anything. We need him, and I think anybody that convinces themselves otherwise is it's a case of damage limitation. He, he's still one of the best players in the world. We need him, and this is the sort of game, like you were saying with the Chelsea game. This is the sort of game where if we we play like that Chelsea fixture, we need somebody like him to step up. Now, I'm not I'm not exonerating, like I'm not excusing him of all his kind of guilt that you know whether or not I think he's playing with a spring in his step or not. I I, I don't know. It's all speculation, isn't it? But we need him. We do need him. We we need a player like him to be performing, and this is the sort of fixture where you just. You just like remember in the Euros when he got the one against Germany. We just we just need something like that. We just need it to falter him in the right place. Get that big goal against a team like United, and you'd hope he can kind of build from that. You know, if if he was missing chances week after week, I would uh, I, I would be prepared to accept the idea that maybe he was not at not at the levels that that he was at before. I, I, I don't. I don't think he had a chance against West Ham, did he? Like were we sort of trying yeah, to. He had that header, big header, which yeah. was decent, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm not sort of, and so I'm. I, I'm. I really don't buy into. I think it's a, a media thing. I think that. I think people are 
so ready to look for the the, the big players to to have a go at because it's it's more interesting. Um, is it, do you know what it comes well, back look, to? Salah had it last year, didn't he? Oh, Salah's burnt now. He's, he's... Uh, it, it comes back to a point you made earlier on, right? When you watch Wolves, Adama Traore is the most eye-catching player, so he's the one that you pick out to analyse. You know, or, or for Newcastle, you pick out some Maximan because he's the one that seems to offer the most. So when those players just are average, you, you automatically, oh, well, they haven't turned up. It's the same for Spurs. Like Harry Kane, you're, you're, we got so used to I remember last year sort of chatting with you about like when he scored that goal against, I want to say Burnley, was it where it got rolled back to him? And he just smashed it into the top I corner. Think so, yeah. And 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 it was it was from outside the box, and he whipped it into the top corner. And I think I sort of texted you, being like, "Look, we we actually have to we have to savor this. We have to understand what we're seeing. We're seeing someone at the peak of their powers that that the world had written off five times, and everyone sort of had done this whole like, oh, Harry Kane's finished, and he again he's banging goals in week after week after week." That player is still there. We just have to give him give him the chance to show it. You know, there were it hasn't been spoken about much, but Sonny had a chance to square the ball to Kane in the first half against West Ham, and we we're one nil up, and then we we're away. You know, like it, he's not getting chances. I, I'm not buying into this kind of like that 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 Kane is that Kane's not not at it. And and I think if you look at his stats as well from the weekend, he was chasing things down. He was sort of putting himself about. Um, and this is the sort of game, this is exactly the sort of game where it would do him and us the world of good if he turns up with a big goal. Right, I think that's a, quite a nice place to, to end this little discussion, Ben. A little, I mean, it's gone over an hour now. This is, this yeah, is, I'm sorry. This is, no, no, not at all, mate. I love it. This is like, you know, it's not quite the heady days of Rollery, so we'd be locked in for about two and a half, three hours. <laughs> but still, it's, it's getting there, mate. It's good to kind of exercise exercise the demon a bit um, yeah and uh, uh, thanks for letting me keep Roger's seat warm for an hour oh, or so no. thank you mate thank you for, for giving us your time but uh, yeah so where, just to just to remind anybody watching where where can they watch the Lucas Moura interview yeah the TPT YouTube channel so it's just a search for the Players Tribune football on YouTube and I mean it's it's one of those ones where I think I think I think the concept is about sort of 14-15 minutes long and I think you and I are sort of a dying breed, Jack, in that we're actually the sort of people that don't mind sitting there and watching something for more than 27 seconds or whatever the, the limitations are now. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a long watch, but um, if, you, if you can be bothered, I would love it if some Spurs fans saw it because it's really, really sort of warm and fuzzy. And, of course, you can also catch Ben on N17 Live before every it's every match day is it now or is it home match day every so? home match day yeah every home match day so um, we're in the stadium from about 45 minutes before kickoff, building up to the game do a little bit at half time do a little bit at full time as well with that. this This is one thing that I sort of do I'm sorry to go on again I do want to sort of give give Nuno a bit of credit for he always comes out and chats to us after the game comes out and talks to us now talks through his decisions talks through what he did right and wrong and, and, and he takes responsibility for things that he felt that he got wrong and equally like when he then there's things that he did right he just gives the credit to the players you know so it, it, it is a good the, the post-match stuff I feel is a, is a really really nice watch so yeah we'll be there on uh, on Saturday night after hopefully Spurs have just thumped Man United and you can also if you have lights what Ben's got to say listen to him on our What A Night podcast it's very good if they if they hurry up pull their fingers out and make <laughs> one 
All right. And also on the Football Daily, you often you you got quite a bit of a regular gig on that one. Yeah, now, Saturday right? and Sunday nights now. So like, fundamentally unavoidable for Spurs fans. Apologies. I've got to say, mate, you you often have old Stephen Kelly on there. He's he's got he's got a good chat. I like I like. Oh, Stephen mate, it's just the, it's the accent as well, isn't yeah. it? He seems it's, like a decent lad. Yeah, he? he's lovely. Yeah. He's so nice, and he always and he's proper coys. Like he absolutely. If we go on and about ten minutes before the show, if Spurs have Spurs have won, we'll be sitting there ten minutes before just soaking it up. And if Spurs have lost, he'll turn up and be completely miserable. So he's <laughs> he's proper Tottenham, which I love. I've got so you are a consummate professional there as well, Max. You've had Charlie Adam on a few times. I don't think I'll be able to get a com- through a conversation with him <laughs> without about, about, holding him up about you know his various trying to end, challenges, trying to end Gareth Bale's yeah. career. I did. Don't, don't don't get me started. I want to. I don't want to uh, yeah, get get you in any hot water, mate, with my <laughs> my thoughts on him. But thanks so much for joining us today, Ben. Uh, it's been a pleasure, mate. I hope you've enjoyed it. Loved it as ever, mate. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for anyone that's listening, you know where to subscribe, retweet, whatever. You know. Come on, Spurs. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.